Welcome to Broadway Radio's Tell Me More. I'm your host, Matt Timonini. Here on Tell Me More, we strive to talk about projects and topics that don't often get covered on theater podcasts. When I haphazardly stumbled into a career covering theater over a decade ago, I had no idea where this journey would eventually take me. Over the past decade plus, I've had the opportunity to see some incredible productions all across the country, to make lifelong friends through this business, and to interview some of the biggest icons in the industry, from Judy Dench, to Bernadette Peters, to Leia Salonga, and more. And while I cherish every single one of those professional memories, it's the personal moments, from sentimental to silly, that stick with me the most. From turning my text message ringtone into Celia Keenan-Bolger saying, Hi, Matt Timonini to chatting with friends after seeing a show together, to Rupert Holmes singing my name to the tune of Escape, the Pina Colada song. And now, I have a new special moment to add to my Rolodex of memories, as last Friday I had the unbelievable pleasure to spend 45 delightful minutes chatting with the incredible Mary Lou Henner. The legendary star of stage and screen, and much, much more, is getting ready to come back to New York in the off-Broadway premiere of Sandra Singh Lowe's Mad Women of the West. The show begins performances this Saturday, November 11th at the Actors Temple and is currently scheduled to run through New Year's Eve. Alongside Mary Lou are other recognizable names and faces from theater, television, and movies, Caroline Aaron, Brooke Adams, and Melanie Mayron. If you don't know those performers by name, look them up. I can almost guarantee that you have seen them in something and in many cases, many things before. In our conversation, Mary Lou and I talk about how this show started as a Zoom project, then turned into a multi-time extended book-in-hand run in Los Angeles, and is now coming to the Actors' Temple with hopes for a future beyond that. We also get into some of the highlights of her legendary career while also trying to observe all SAG after a strike rules. We also discuss her son Nick's directorial debut with Theater Camp, her diagnosis of having highly superior autobiographical memory, and much more. This is truly one of the most fun interviews that I've ever done, and not just because Mary Lou had some very nice things to say about me and today on Broadway, although that always helps, but it is truly special when someone you meet professionally can become such a fast personal friend, and that is certainly the case with Mary Lou. Of course, we will have information on how you can purchase tickets to see Mad Women of the West at the Actors Temple. And so with all of that out of the way, here's my conversation with the one and only Mary Lou Henner. Well, Mary Lou, this is a long time in the making. This is something that we've both been wanting to do for a while. You've been listening to Today on Broadway longer than I knew, but we first connected when we started talking about theater camp, which I had no idea that you had any connection to theater camp when we first started discussing it. So that was kind of a, a an unexpected surprise when I got a DM from you. Well, first of all, I've been your fan, I think, since you started. I feel like I'm I'm like fangirling over you right now and we're seeing each other on Zoom. So this is so great. So handsome. You're so fabulous. Oh gosh. Oh gosh. Your voice. I love the speed with which you speak. You know, it's great. Um at which you speak. Um, but okay. So theater camp was directed by my son, Nick Lieberman, who's wanted to be a director since he was six. And it's funny because I'm not contracted, I had no connection to theater camp in, a, in terms of a contract. I'm just a very proud mom. And I've known all those kids for a long time um, because this is kind of fun. I, uh, I grew up in a dancing studio, but I also grew up in a hair salon. My mom had a beauty shop in our kitchen 
but we had a dancing school in the backyard in our garage. So I grew up singing and dancing, but also knowing how to do hair and makeup. So when my two sons were little, I started, I offered my services to their schools and started a whole thing about doing the hair and makeup for the school plays, et cetera. So I, I knew like Ben Platt's head when he was a little boy, I knew Beanie Feldstein's head. Well, I, I know Beanie, her, her mother's my best, best, best friend. And she, in fact, she's doing the wardrobe for, uh, for the show I'm doing now, which is what, why we're here to talk. And she's doing it with Aaron Hirsch, who's from The Voice. So we'll talk about that in a second. But anyway, so I've known these kids for a long time. And Nick was always like, the swizzle stick kind of person to get everybody, you know, he was always doing the videos at school. And so it was just very exciting that this project came about, you know, with also Molly Gordon and Noah, Noah Galvin and Ben, of course. And, you know, so I'm just the proud mom, very excited when anybody talks about theater. Well, theater camp has been, I mean, one of the things that just about everybody in the theater community has talked about over the past what is it now? Probably going on four or five months since it was released. When you when you see your son kind of going into the world that has been a part of your life for many, many years, is there yeah. pure excitement or is there a little bit of like, oh, I know what he's going to get into. Like, I know what is uh, down the road for him because this is not an easy business, but it's your life. And he's obviously grown up watching sure. it, you know, through you. Yes. And my other son, Joey Lieberman, um, he is a comedy. He's a comedy writer. He's also an international bridge player and he's written an incredible script about his experience. Anyway, he's uh, he's he does his um, comedy all over. Uh, his improv troupe is all over New York City. It's oh, called wow. uh, Obsessed With Us. So he's also a performer. My two boys are both performers. Their father was a director, Rob Lieberman. They sat on sets their whole lives and I wasn't surprised that they wanted to go in it because they were also doing plays with the whole family. And they were always, you know, the Christmas kids doing all the kids in the family doing something. And so I, I wasn't surprised. I think they know how hard it is based on watching their parents sort of navigate their own careers. Um, but I feel like uh, they know what they're getting into and they're talented. So why not? And it's and I've never gotten my kids a job. Never. In fact, Nick never works with me. It's like he never chooses this <laughs> Caroline Aaron over me. But he uh, you know, I've never gotten them a job. I've never made any kind of connection for them. But they, you know, they did it on their own. You know? well, and I think that's the first time we were talking about theater camp was I said, well, obviously, we know. Molly Gordon, we know Nick Platt, but I don't know, or Ben Platt, I don't know who Nick Lieberman is. And then all of a sudden he's your son. Like that kind of goes to, we know the family lineage of those, those other two, because they've been a little bit more in the public eye, maybe than Nick sure. has. But, you know, you talk about not necessarily putting your thumb on the scale in Nick's career. I had no idea. And we were already talking yeah. about him. So that is kind of fun. But you yeah. mentioned the reason we're chatting today is because you are bringing a new play called Mad Women of the West to New York City starting here in a couple of weeks. This is a show that you did, was it over the summer in June, July? Yes, uh, it started in May, May, June, July. We were extended because people love this play. We knew we were doing it in Los Angeles. It actually started over Zoom during the pandemic, and we were always doing it over Zoom. And it was <laughs> Melanie Mayron, Caroline Aaron, Joe Beth Williams at the time, and, and me. 
And so Cassandra Singlo, who is a brilliant writer, she's written a whole series of, of books, Mad Women in the Volvo, um, Mad Women in the Roomba. And she uh, worked, you know, she's uh, on NPR and she does all kinds of lecturing. And she just really has the pulse of women. She really understands how we all talk to one another. And so she wanted to create a piece that had four women, very different people. It was as if you know, they, they were in college together. One of them became wildly successful and now she's back in their lives and what have it gets, you know, played out as a result of her showing up. Um, and so I start, we started doing it as all these different monologues and she kept piecing it together. So we opened it in Los Angeles and it was such a huge hit, sold out every show, standing, well, there's no standing room in the Odyssey Theater, so there's no standing room, but there would have been. And uh, people loved it. And so then we got extended another three weeks. And then we were asked to come to New York. So now we're coming to New York with it off-Broadway. Maybe we'll do it on Broadway at some point, who knows? But right now, we open at the Actors Temple. Our first preview is November 11th, Actors Temple. And we our opening is December the 4th. So it's going to be quite a, a fun ride for all of us to do the play there. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, Joe Beth Williams is no longer with the show. She had some scheduling things. Uh, Brooke Adams has uh, replaced her, which is like all of you. Oh I mean, it's, it's like uh, all four of you are like these great stars of both stage and screen. And it's it just feels like an all star group to put together in a four hander like this. Yes. And the thing is, Brooke is so perfect for the part that she's found things. <laughs> We didn't even know existed. I mean, it's she's fantastic. And we all know each other a very, very, very long time. I've known Melanie since we were in Greece and Godspell at the same time. I've known Brooke when I first came out to Los Angeles. And then Caroline and I were on Broadway together playing sisters in Social Security. I replaced Marlo Thomas. She replaced uh, um, Joanna, um, Joanne, uh, Joanna Gleason. And, and she'd been with the production from the beginning as the understudy. And so we just... We instantly bonded as sisters and have always stayed in contact. Our kids went to the same school. My Joey and her Sydney, her daughter Sydney, they graduated together from Harvard Westlake. And, you know, everybody's been very close for a very long time. So it's so great. When you have relationships like that going into a show with people, whether they're personal or professional, how does that change the work you do in preparation, both in, in rehearsal, but then also when you're on stage together? Well, I learned, I did a show years ago. Well, I did the first big sitcom I did, of course, with Danny DeVito and John Hirsch. Yeah, yeah. And, Can't yeah, talk about the title because of... the yes. title, but I think everybody yeah. knows what I'm talking about. Everybody had a different way of working. And so I got used to everybody's way of working. And then in the next one that I did with Burt Reynolds and Ossie Davis and Hal Holbrook and that show really everybody had a different way of working. Some people knew their lines the first day. Some people didn't know their lines till the end. Everyone had a different style. In this case, we all have kind of different styles, but somehow they work. And uh, you get so much for free when you know people's rhythms, when you understand, when you can look across a room, when you feel comfortable grabbing somebody or, you know, you, you feel comfortable being affectionate and you feel comfortable being angry. Because you've been there when you've had yeah. these long term relationships, long term relationships, you're friends, you, you you become a family and you know, you trust one another, you know, and you can I mean, like I, the other day I said something to Caroline, like, stop, you know, I'm going to save you from yourself, you know, save me from myself, that kind of thing. So we have a shorthand as a result of having such long term friendships, for sure. 
is doing a sitcom the closest thing to doing theater that you can have on screen because of kind of the rapid fire? And obviously you do can do multiple takes, but also a lot of them are filmed in front of studio audiences. Do you build up similar rapports between castmates doing a sitcom like that as you do in theater? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's unbelievable. I always said that, you know, what was great about, I'll call it Uber. What was great about it? <laughs> <laughs> what was great about Uber is that uh, we had all come from the theater. Most of us had come from the theater. I had worked with Jeff Conaway, as a matter of fact, in right. Greece, in the First National Company of Greece. And of course, Danny and Judd had worked off Broadway together. And Chris and Danny knew each other from another famous movie. That was a play, too. And I saw, it was the first play I ever saw in New York, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. The play. But they also yeah. did... Okay, so this is it's so funny. This is like playing, I don't know, password or something. Yeah, yeah. Got to get a work around the SAG strikes. We understand. We'll totally understandable. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I always said that it was like the perfect marriage of film and television, a, a film and stage, because you're rehearsing it like a play all week and you're finding all the goodies and then you get to perform it in front of a live audience and the camera is lucky enough to pick it up Um and then it's recorded for all time. So now you have a record of it, you know, but it's, it, you do become such a family when you rehearse the rehearsal process is like, so it's golden for making real relationships and learning each other's quirks and rhythms and, and sort of weeding out what doesn't work. And I, I, I one of my favorite parts of doing any project is, uh, is the rehearsal process. So we get a lot for free that way. Yeah. Well, you're you're back in the rehearsal process for Mad Women of the West. And I guess this is kind of almost like a second season of a sitcom because you did it together. You had a little bit of a cast change uh, yeah. and, and now you're coming back to it. Are you still finding new things, especially with a, a new quarter of the cast? Are you still developing and changing things? First of all, we have a new director. Um, yes, oh, okay. we have Tom Caruso who has come in and he's made a lot. I mean, and the other thing is, in Los Angeles, it was part of the piece for us to carry our scripts. It was kind of like a part of the play. Yeah. That the idea was the the, direct, the writer was constantly changing it, so we had to all carry scripts. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't think we were going to be doing it that long. We ended up doing it over eight weeks. And when you do something, you know, of course, by the end we all knew our lines, but but you know, it it became part of the piece. And then people saw it, and one of the things they said is, "You're you might take this to New York. There's no way you." people are in New York are going to accept the fact that you carry scripts. And also I think it was holding us back from having that real contact, you know, like just right now seeing your face, it's better that we're seeing each other on the zoom than it is just talking to you on the phone. So I putting our scripts down, it has been such a game changer. And I think those people were right. Meaning Judd Hirsch and Jim Brooks who said, <laughs> <laughs> you can't, uh, you can't get away with carrying scripts in New York city. <laughs> So we're, no, none of us are carrying a script and we're just like really digging deep into the relationships and and the, the behavior on stage and what the themes of the piece are. You know, it's about women and yet it's a universal, universal conversations because we have a huge male audience. We had so many repeaters, you know, which was great. Um, because we talk about everything. We talk about our partners. We talk about our jobs. We talk about uh, the sex, of course. I always say that sex is like karaoke. Talking about sex is like karaoke. Nobody wants to take the mic first, but then once you start, nobody can get the <laughs> mic. 
<laughs> just opened up yeah. the conversation. So there's a lot of talk about sex. There's talk about everything, which is really great for sure. When, when you bring a show like this that has had a, a life somewhere else, do you, you talk about New York audiences not being willing to maybe accept having scripts in hand. Does the, does anything else have to change for, for this? You've obviously done shows on the road and plenty of stuff in New York. Is right. there a different vibe with New York audiences? Um, I think they're more sophisticated. I think they are used to such an incredible quality of performance and, and design. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how differently it plays because it still is a piece about Los Angeles. And so the, the references, some of them are explained. And, but I think people are so sophisticated. People know L.A. well enough to know what that kind of location mentioned yeah. be, you know, or like, for example, uh, somebody says Bristol Farms, which is very famous. Here. Oh, here's something I didn't tell you. We talk to the audience. The audience gets very involved. Oh, OK. There's they, we break the fourth wall. It's very meta. So like sometimes you might be talking about something and then say to somebody in the audience, like, oh, you remember, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? So it's like we kind of break a certain thing. So at one point, one of the characters says uh, uh, something about Bristol Farms. And then somebody turns to the audience and says, think Cinderella, you know, famous L.A. place, think Cinderella. You okay. know? So if there's little things like that. I, I listen, I cannot wait. And I'm so happy we're talking to each other before the show starts. And I hope we'll get to do a, a, a something with all of us, all the women in the, the, the cast, because it'll be so interesting to see how performing in New York changes the piece, changes us, changes maybe the structure, the lines, whatever. I'm so curious to see how this audience, the New York audience is going to embrace our show. I think they're going to laugh their asses off, which is always good. Because it's very, yeah. very, very funny and very poignant, too. Because so each of the characters, my character is kind of like the cat in a hat. You know, they've all stayed friends over the last 20 years. I haven't seen them all in a long time. I come back into their lives after in the middle of this wildly successful career. And I'm sort of like the swizzle stick that stirs the drink, stirs up some trouble. You know, the irritant gets the pearl and people reveal things that they might not have revealed that day otherwise. So it's really interesting. Yeah, that's a great setup. Anytime you're kind of inserting somebody that has history with everybody else in the show, but it's been a while, you know, there's changes and there's no, you know, there's bound to be drama yeah. there. You're coming back to New York. You have done. So much. And I think everyone thinks of you as this, you know, sitcom and movie star and doing all of the uh, the the films that you've done on my favorite cable network, the Hallmark Channel. Um, <laughs> but you are a theater you know, person. You started in theater. You have done. What is it? Is it seven Broadway shows? Nine Broadway, Broadway shows? Show. I've done seven, seven Broadway, Broadway shows, two national tours. Yeah. Seven Broadway shows, two national tours. I've done 76 movies. 29 Hallmark films, <laughs> so pretty crazy. But um, yeah, I mean, but my real, you know, my soul is being on stage and and being in present time with an audience because the audience becomes another cast member. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, you know, they are having a different relationship than we had with the one last night, you know, and it's always fascinating. You know, when you do a musical, uh, it's so interesting because, I would say Thursday night, the voices are the best. Thursday night voices are the best. Okay. Because it's been warmed up on Tuesday. This is this is considering a Monday day off. 
uh, the voices are warmed up from, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday, they've had the break. And then Thursday night, you always feel super strong. I don't know, for some reason, Thursday night shows always seem to have the best voices from this side of the, 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 the curtain. That, that's been my experience. And Sunday is always like a little shakier, you know, whatever. But <laughs> this is the musicals for sure. And, you know, it's sometimes like Friday night, Saturday night audiences, every, every audience has a different personality. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sometimes Saturday audiences are so like date night or something. So they're a little more polite. Friday is usually raucous because they're coming either from work or drinks or, you know, whatever. It's every night has a different personality. It's really funny. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, so I have to go back. You said seven Broadway shows and two national tours, and I am never going to question your memory, Mary Lou. Okay. <laughs> but the Broadway League says you've done three national tours because you did a very short run oh. in Chicago. Oh, yeah, that's so funny because I don't think of it as a national tour because yeah. I didn't travel anywhere. Yes, three yeah. national. I guess it was the national touring company that stopped in Vegas. So I did. I was there for the entire summer. And that was a funny experience because I had done the show on Broadway. Mm -hmm. They asked me to go to Vegas. I said, no, you know, I'm not going to go to Vegas. I've got two little boys. And then they opened the show in Broadway and they said, we're not doing as well in the box office as we were hoping. We think, you, you know, we'd like you to come to Vegas. And my, I was like, I don't think so. I don't know if I want to bring my kids to Vegas. And literally I ended up doing it and they had to drag me kicking and screaming to Vegas. And then they had to drag me kicking and screaming out of Vegas. And the only reason I left <laughs> is because we had to start school. We had a blast. We did it at the Mandalay Bay. It was my sit down. I did a sit down. They were so generous and so wonderful. The audiences were, they loved the show. We won an award for the, the, the year. Um, and a funny story, uh, the house manager, after I'd been there two weeks, he said, man, we love you. We love you here in the show. And I said, oh, really? H have you seen the show? And he went, oh, no, no, no. You just sell a lot more Belvedere than most people. <laughs> what is it about you, Mary Lou, that sells high-end, top-shelf alcohol? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Isn't that funny? It's like someone, okay, there's my standard, Belvedere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you had done Chicago on Broadway. You replaced uh, Anne Ryan King. Ryan King, my friend. We, we were dressing roommates during Over Here, and it was a good oh, wow. thing neither, neither of us had a song to sing because, because we were so hoarse from laughing. We were both girls from a big family. She had six in her family. I have six in my family. And we were so close. I mean, as my dressing room, and all we did was laugh. I mean, we were hoarse from laughing all the time. I, she was one of my favorite, favorite people. Um, and I tell this story because I do my one woman show. I'm, I'm probably going to do it in New York at some point during my run. Okay. In, uh, yeah, I've done it four times at 54 Below. I did a three week sit down at Bucks County Playhouse, which was so great to be able to do that. And I did it with dancers and they said, oh, we want an intermission. So you better name drinks after some of the, we have to sell drinks. <laughs> <laughs> but we need some, we need some drinks named after numbers in your show. It was like, oh, okay. A slow gin Roxy, a Manhattan, <laughs> Chicago, you know, things I made for a taxi, uh, memory, uh, margarita, you know, like that. So, yeah. um, so I tell the story about how I got this call on uh, March the 14th of 1997. Uh, it was a Friday. And, um, and my agent called and said, uh, Annie Ranking is leaving Chicago and she thinks she'd be a good person to replace her. How's your dancing these days? And I went, ooh, 
I haven't had my legs up over my head except for childbirth or a good weekend in five, five years. But I worked really hard. I mean, and I and I got Catherine Doby, who was Bob Fosse's assistant. Her husband had just done a movie with my husband at the time. And so she she taught me Fosse. She worked on me and I really like worked really hard and went to the audition and they kept eliminating people. There were 27 of us and they kept eliminating. Oh, wow. Eliminating yeah and I got the part it was like it was such a gift it was amazing to take my kids to New York and do that so I ended up doing 408 performances of Roxy between Broadway and Las Vegas which I guess was a national tour yeah which I didn't yeah again not gonna not gonna question your memory of your your own career but uh that I, I just thought it was interesting especially with having to replace Annie has not only the one of the stars of the show, but she was also the choreographer. So like, that's, that's a high bar to clear, no pun intended with the legs over your head, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, you, and and Anne, so, so generous and so great. That whole company. I love it. We had the best parties and we just had so much fun. It was amazing to work with. And I got to work with Jimmy Naughton with whom I had worked with at Williamstown at the, oh, wow. you know, Williamstown, and, and yeah, a few years before that. So I knew him. And everything and Joel I had met before too and BB of course yeah, yeah. so it's, it's we've talked about stage we've talked about movies we've talked about uh, TV in addition to all of those things that you've done you've hosted a reality competition show you've been on a reality competition show you've hosted a talk show you've written books is there anything that you want to do that you haven't done yet in your life in your career I mean not like climbing Mount Kilimanjaro or anything, but like professionally, yeah, I, is there anything you haven't done? Well, I would still love to create, I still would love to create a really great part in a Broadway musical and something that has more than just one song. It was so wonderful to do getting the band back together a few years ago. Uh, it was great. And I had loved my, the song that I got to sing. And, you know, if you say, Alexa, play Mary Lou Hunter, this, the song will come up. It's called, <laughs> what would you <laughs> well, Hold on. All right. Let's, let's, let's see. Alexa, play Mary Lou Hunter. To listen to specific songs anytime no. you like, just That's not try helpful. Amazon Music Unlimited. Okay. All right, Alexa, Mary stop. Lou. You're no help. <laughs> okay, shut up, Alexa. <laughs> yeah, so I still would love to do that. I still, I would love to do something very dramatic on television because I haven't, I, a lot of the TV movies that I've done have been very dramatic. Oh my gosh, like, you know. Lots of mysteries. Yeah, a lot of mysteries. Yeah, but I mean, even like those Women in Jeopardy films that they used to do, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, uh, crazy ones. Uh, but but yeah, there's and the one thing people always go, is there anything in your career you haven't done because you the 10 books and the this and the that? And I always say the one thing I haven't done, because I've even done a rock video. Um, uh, the only thing I haven't done is a soap opera. I've never done a soap wow. opera. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I'd be so good as a guest star who had lots of lines to memorize. So. <laughs> <laughs> that does seem perfect for you because they they film these things so quickly uh, right, that that, right, that would make do. sense, I guess. Yeah. Crazy, yeah. But anyway, no, it's not. That's not like on my bucket list or anything like that. No, I still, I love being on stage. I mean, I, one of the things I'm doing while I'm, you know, doing broad, uh, while I'm doing the show um, for the next two months is really getting a feel for do I want to uh, make this like my permanent home. So I'm checking that oh. out too. Okay. I probably be somewhat bi-coastal because I have so much family here. 
But do you know my whole family, like a bunch of us, it's only 24 this year because not everybody can make it to New York, but 24 of us are going to be in New York for Christmas because I'm there. Oh, wow. 24. So, that's a, so like that's extended little. family. No, what, that, what is well, all that? There's like the original family and then with all the kids and, and husbands yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, we have a lot of, a lot of people in our family. It's funny because all the kids, all the kids, you know, they, they'd always stay at my house in Los Angeles. So it was called Camp Auntie Lou because I'm called Auntie Lou by all the kids, uh, Camp Auntie Lou. And then the pandemic happened. So we didn't get to, everybody didn't get to stay here. And then last year they all kind of came back and I went, oh my gosh, we went from Camp Auntie Lou to Club Lulu because now they're all like older and drinking. <laughs> you know? Those three years changed that generation. <laughs> yeah, my my mom is one of eight. So whenever wow. that there's not as many grandkids in there uh, as as it seems like yours might be, but it's it's no. it's pushing thirty to thirty one when everybody gets together. So I, I understand that. Um, yeah. So you're gonna have Christmas in New York. Maybe New York. thinking about moving your home base to New York. Uh, awesome. What else are you going to do? Because the, the show has a little bit of a different schedule than a traditional theater schedule. You are mostly on, on weekends. What is the rest of your week going to be? Maybe doing your one-person show? Maybe seeing your former Uber co-star on Broadway at some point? Yes, there's already a plan for that, for sure. We all get together. You know, the, the, the Uber cast, love <laughs> we love each other so much that Seth Rudetsky started Stars in the House, and we were the mm -hmm. first one. Yeah, I remember. And, and James, uh, we started it and it was so great that we said we could do this without having to make it so formal. So we've done 19 Zooms since then. I've set them up. So we are oh, wow. so current with each other. We all went to see Tony's show. They all came to see my show. We, you know, went to a screening for Judd's, uh, the f oh, which I'm not supposed to say, that that movie that, won, that got him his second Academy Award nomination. And so, you know, we're very, very close. So, yeah, I'm going to see them a lot. And also, when you come to town, come on, let's go to a Broadway show together. Let's do that. I would love that. I love, I, I, I am such a fan of this show because you have a great way of saying what you say. You feel like you get to know you, which is great. You're not just like hovering above a reality or, you know, you're not, you're not afraid to express your opinion, you know, and, and your co-stars have always been fabulous. So... Sometimes that gets me in trouble. Some people don't like it when I express opinions, but uh, but I appreciate that you do. So thank you. <laughs> I just know whenever you express an opinion, I'm like, yes, yes, I agree. Or no, I didn't. I thought it was funny. Didn't you do like you did the uh, the Tony's um, competition with? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, with and Ashley I, and, oh, and Robbie. Yeah, Ashley. Yeah, Ashley. She, I miss her. I miss her. I like her. I, I like Grace Aki too a lot, but I, I definitely... Ashley, I, she's got that kind of droll. You know, she's like a Sheila from Chorus Line. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I will let her know you said that, and I'm sure she will appreciate it. But, um, uh, but yes, we will definitely have to. When I'm in town, obviously, I'm going to see the show, and we'll I'll talk about it because I'm coming in both November and December. So we'll figure oh, out right. when the right time to do it. But um, yeah, with your schedule, we would love to to figure something out. I guess also you have to go see. I mean, obviously. Christopher Lloyd is not in it, but there's uh, the Back to the Future musical, which obviously pays a great tribute to him. Um, yes. So anyway, um, you know, we saw we all went to see Chris a few years ago in King Lear. We all went to see him in 2021. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, was he incredible and so fit and so amazing. I mean, these guys, it's like I think. 
the show Uber, my favorite show I ever did, uh, my show, it's like the fountain of youth. Everybody is still working. Everybody is still vibrant. Everybody's got all their marbles or as many as they had to begin with. You know, it's like, <laughs> it, it's amazing. It's just amazing. Everybody is so fabulous. You know, I mean, Danny, Danny was like the Yoda, uh, you know, the confidant of the group, but yeah. it's also the little, the little devil. You know, he's always like, you know, so he's got it so brilliant. I think I just saw a video of like people walking down some street in Hell's Kitchen and outside of a like a little diner, Tony's like singing songs just on the street, has a little microphone just because yeah. he can, because he's Tony Danza and everyone's going to love it. And it's this huge crowd just out of nowhere. He's just singing on the street. So it's like all of you are still. Yeah, I know. That's that's actually on Columbus. It's called Manny's. It's a restaurant and they do every Sunday. They have sort of an open mic kind of people get up and do the tango. People get up and tell jokes. People get up and sing. There's a band, a little combo band. And Tony, he does his Frank Sinatra and he gets up there. You know what he does sometimes? If we do a if we do a Zoom on Sunday with the whole crowd, he'll connect with us there and put his mic, his uh, you know, his phone there and then sing for like we can't hear we can't hear each other <laughs> such a character i love him so much and he's so involved with this incredible uh you know his the theme of his his organization that he does where he teaches kids to act he always says he takes kids from the street who are like troubled whatever and he says when you teach a kid how to act you teach a kid how to act you know and he's done yeah, yeah. unusual work with you know with kids and cops and stuff yeah it, it, it's interesting you're kind of talking about that I've always found, and you probably know better than anybody, that a lot of times actors don't have the best reputations for being the smartest people. You think, oh, they're just reading other people's lines. But I've always found that every actor, almost every actor that I talk to, just has to have this innate intelligence, whether it's book smarts or emotional intelligence, to be able to do the work they do. It's not, you know, there's obviously a lot of natural talent that comes to it. But it, the best actors to me are always the people who are the most inquisitive and thoughtful and compassionate too. But I, I think actors kind of don't get this, this uh, get enough credit for being as intelligent and introspective as they are. It's really true. I mean, and it's, it's pretty crazy. I mean, if you sat in on one of our Zooms, you probably would feel both ways. <laughs> You'd probably feel like, are oh, happy? But oh my gosh, that insight is just brilliant. You know, so yeah, it's pretty special. Well, um, I want to get back to Mad Women of the West. You play, and correct me if I'm wrong, because tracking down character names for everybody is difficult, but you're playing Zoe, correct? Zoe. Zoe. Her name's Zoe Chelsea. Zoe Chelsea. And she's become international guru for fitness and health, but she's been an actress and she now lives in London. So, uh, you know, she's just moved back to Los Angeles, but she's been in London for tw married to a man, a Lord for 20 years. <laughs> and she's got like, you know how Madonna, when she went to London, she has like a slight accent. You know <laughs> slight. I'm not sure that I would call what she's doing slight, but, um, <laughs> So the the press notes all say that she's coming from doing a TED talk. As far as I could tell, I don't think you've ever done a TED talk. I've done sort of a TEDx talk at a Chicago about my memory. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So okay. I wasn't going to ask about that because I figure you probably talk about that a lot. But for people who don't know, explain how your brain works. Okay. Well. Okay. Um, <laughs> since I was a tiny little girl. 
people have said, what is with that kid in her memory? Because I would remember everything. And I was shocked that other people couldn't. So even at six years old, I was falling asleep saying, what did I do a week ago? What did I do when I was my little brother's age? What did I do this? Oh, the last time they were there was this. And I just, it's definitely been nature and nurture. I think being one of six kids, you know, you're so excited to have something that's a little different from your brothers and sisters, because otherwise you're just this litter, you know, you're like cats in a bag or something. And it's like, I knew that I had a very unusual memory. So it's something that I definitely celebrated and played with and being an actor, oh my gosh, it's been so helpful doing sense memory and acting class, et cetera, et cetera. So anybody who knew me knew that I had this unusual memory. And Leslie Stahl has been a good friend of mine for a long time. Her husband and I worked together on a, a movie called Perfect. Um, anyway, based on a, a, a Rolling Stone article. Anyway, so she was offered a story by a woman who couldn't forget anything, always had everything in her head. And she said, well, I hate to burst your bubble, but my friend Mary Lou Hunter has the same memory. So they passed on the story and the woman, Jill Price, did it for Primetime Live with Diane Sawyer. And then Leslie called me a couple years later and she said, no, this really is unusual. We're going to test you on camera and we're going to put it on the show. And the show won an award for them and everything else. Anyway, what it basically is, is that the people who have HSAM, highly superior autobiographical memory, that's what it's called. It's not called hyperthymesia anymore. No one calls it that. It's called HSAM. People who have it remember virtually every day of their lives. They have wired us, Put they wired me, I'll just talk from my pers personal experience. They wired me, put me through an MRI, took 300 measurements of my brain and they found nine areas 10 times larger than the normal brain. And when you see it on the scan, it's pretty like, it's a little freaky, but we all had it. We all like over indexed, we all stayed together in this little grouping, the original six of us and then 11. And so there's basically, yeah. So we took, so it's 300 measurements, nine areas, 10 times larger, than the normal brain. And it really means that we we don't forget anything. And here's the thing, this is how I feel, because I've written books about it and everything else. And I go all over the country speaking about it. I, I love talking about memory. I have theories that they're testing because nobody from the inside out has had this memory and they've written a book about it for themselves. Um, I do believe that everybody remembers something especially well. It's like in the jigsaw puzzle of your life, what are the hard edged pieces by which you interconnect other things? Like you might remember shows that you've seen. Somebody else might do food, somebody else clothes, somebody else uh, places they've lived, places they've traveled, you know, places they've worked, all places. Sports, huge for people. Guys will remember games from 30 years ago, but forget their anniversary. You know, they'll remember how many chicken wings they had and what the score was. You know, it's like crazy. Everybody remembers something especially well. And that's what I call your primary track. And then I do believe that everyone has a dominant sense, a sight, sound, touch, taste, or smell person. And if you take your dominant, your, your primary track and your dominant sense and you cross-connect them, you can figure out how you receive retain and then retrieve and uh, memories because I just happen to have everything you've been through is on your emotional hard drive and it makes you behave in certain ways. Like you might go, what's that? So, oh, that smell reminds me of my grandmother's. Oh my gosh. 
I remember that, that song. That's like seventh grade. Blah, blah. You know, we all go through our lives having all these like sensory memories. But every everything you've been through is on your emotional hard drive. It makes you behave in certain ways. You just might not know how to retrieve it like the people who have HSAM do. So I'm always trying to get people, teach people how to start retrieving their memories because it's in there. You just don't know how to access it. Most people. When it comes to work and, and acting, you talked about like going through acting classes and having sense memory you know, practices and training and all of that stuff. Is it something where you talk about, you just said like retrieving those memories, you have to like go and pull out the card catalog and pull it out? Or is it always something that's easily accessible or does it, is it a process of trying to go back and get that memory at the forefront of your mind? Well, first of all, you're the first, first person that's ever used the image card catalog because <laughs> that's exactly how I used to describe it. I'd there say, you go. Like, part of the library and you pull out the card catalog and you get that's what it's like now i say it's like uh, you know scene selection on a dvd whatever it's like it some things are so immediate it's insane and some things become kind of a process and they sort of it, it's like developing a photograph you know where it gets more and more and more vivid you know people will give me a date i'll tell them I'll, i do this in my show i have like a a, a, a fishbowl in the audience and people put dates in and then at random dur during different parts of the, the show i pull out a date i tell them what day of the week it was what i was doing on that day and what song was popular then and i sing a couple bars of the okay. song you know, or I, you know, talk to the audience and say, oh, well, why is that date significant to you? And, you know, and it's so funny. It's it's one of my favorite things to do. Yeah. Uh, well, if it's one of your favorite things to do, can we try it? Sure. Go ahead. All right. Uh, but make sure it's within my lifetime and not when I was yes. like a yeah. Somebody gave me, somebody was doing this with me last week and they gave me a song from like a month ago. And I go, there's no fun in that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Not the same thing. Let's go. Let's go back uh, to June 26th, 1981. Oh, June 26, 1981. Okay. I was, uh, it's funny that you picked, you picked that day. That's very interesting. Well, that's my, that's my birthday. That's the day oh, I that's was your born. Birthday. Okay. Yeah, so so, that, so that's your birthday. So, so you were born on, uh, you were born on a Friday. Did you okay. know that? June uh, I believe so. Yes. Yes. I think, yes, that know? seems correct. I don't know. I don't know. I believe you though. June 26, 1981. I was getting ready to, I was, I did a photo, I, I did a, a wardrobe thing uh, for um uh for uh, I was doing a movie in New York I was about to leave for New York I was doing a movie called Dream House and that was my wardrobe fitting that day that Friday <laughs> and I was the Dream House was with uh, uh John Schneider it was directed by um what's his name I saw you know what the following weekend I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark because that had just come out oh wow yeah yeah it had to come out it came out fourth of July weekend mm -hmm. and uh yeah, and there was um I was I was married to my soon to be ex-husband Frederick Forrest. Um we, we we actually we didn't get divorced for another year, but we were having trouble <laughs> that weekend as well. Thanks for waking up all the Sorry, Sorry Marilyn. But yeah, yeah, so you were born on well name okay, so now I know when your birthday is June twenty-sixth, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. June twenty sixth. So June twenty-sixth, eighty one. So name a name a, a a birth, you know, name a, a day that's like a birth, uh, birthday, uh, one of your favorite birthdays that you ever had in oh, your gosh. life. See, see, that's those are things that I won't remember super well. But um, I remember, I don't know if it's my favorite. It's probably not my favorite. But I remember for my 16th birthday, so which would have been, what, 97. We didn't really do a whole lot. I actually helped a friend and his family move. But it was very nice because 
they got me a cake and then so like I we did a cake with them and then I went home for a party afterwards. So I had two cakes on my 16th birthday, which as a growing boy, uh, I, I definitely enjoyed enjoyed that aspect of that birthday. You remember, OK, so do you remember what day of the week that was? What day of the week that was? No, not. A, no, but I can look real quick. No, just to I can confirm. Tell you it, was a Thursday. Okay. it was a Thursday. It was a Thursday. And OK, so I was in rehearsal for Chicago. Oh, yeah, that's right. Ninety seven. Yeah, ninety seven. I was in rehearsal for Chicago and actually went into the show. Um, to, well, I had gone into the show on the 24th. And oh, wow. so like I was doing Chicago, but I had a big rehearsal that day, you know, just to make sure everything was really solid and everything. So that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Very but cool. That's- yeah. All right. Well, I, I hear a dog barking in the background. So that might no, be. I'm sorry. No, no, no. You're good. You're good. Not a problem at all. But um, do you have rehearsal today? Are you? Are you? I, do. I have rehearsal. Okay. I, and we're shooting B roll. And my son, Nikki Nicholas, is shooting the B roll for me for because oh, I'm doing the show next week. So yeah. yeah. Well, well, we'll wrap up here and we are going to do, we're going to chat again. And obviously I'm going to come see the show and, and maybe we'll go see a show together, but I'd love that for people who we we've talked about mad women of the West. This is a show with four powerhouse actresses of, of both stage and screen. If they're going to come and see the show at the actor's temple for the next two months, what is what are you hoping they take away from this experience? Is it the laughs? Is it is there a, a deeper message? What are they going to get from coming to see this show? Well, first of all, um, I'm going to refer to another show that I've done, which is Greece. And the reason Greece has lasted so many years is because every character up there is kind of an archetype. Everybody can relate to not only being in high school at one time or another, but also, oh, I'm a this, I'm a Rizzo, I'm a Danny, I'm a Marty, I'm a Jan. I'm, you know, I think people... I don't care the gender. I don't care. Everybody's going to relate to these characters. Everyone is going to think I'm a Zoe or I'm a Claudia or I'm a Marilyn or I'm a Jules, or they're going to see things in their relationships. Oh, this is my sister. This is, this is how I am with my best friend. We talk about everything. We talk about everything in the show. Uh, You know, our partners, our jobs. I mean, it's just everything. And so as a result, I think people are going to take the ride. It's a ride. This is an e-ticket ride, although they don't have e-tickets anymore. But (laughs) it's a ride for the audience. It's a ride for us. So many things come out of nowhere. You never know which way the the show is going to go. And it's uh, it's very it's an exciting ride, I think, for, for both the people on stage and the audience. Yeah. Well, if if everybody can identify with one of the characters, obviously you've been doing this for a while, so I imagine that there is a lot of you in Zoe. There's obviously the actress and fitness side of things that plays into your real life. But are you a Zoe, or is that who you would identify with most? I, I would I would assume because I I would I would guess that your DNA is inside of her, but maybe not. Yes, yes. and also Sandra. She wanted to base the character a lot on me. So we talked a lot because the, the yeah. other three characters are parts of her. But she's, you know, she always says that she's not a Zoe, but I think there's more of Zoe in her. <laughs> they also gave me my memory. So that's fun because it pops up at mm-hmm. different times. And also, one of the things I like about Zoe's having this memory is that people with HSAM, we pick up right where we left off. And, you know, I cannot see somebody for 22 years and I can think, oh my gosh, it, it was like yesterday. 
So I'm right there. And they may not be that way. So sometimes I might have to like prompt them or oh, yeah. work a little harder or try to get them back into what I felt was our connection, things like that. So, and that's sort of what happens in the play as well, you know? And, you know, I mean, each character is so rich. Melanie will like break your heart on so many levels. Brooke is a total surprise. She will surprise you. And Caroline is maybe the funniest person on the planet. You know, she's like <laughs> such a riot. And and there's such an affection among these four actresses because we all know each other so well. So we can have just a great, it, it's, the show is different every time we do it, not just because of the audience, but because it's easy to, to kind of bring your day to whatever's happening. You know, I mean, we talk about our husbands, our partners, we talk about everything in this piece and, uh, and it's just a wild ride. Yeah. I, it, well, I cannot wait to see it. Uh, I am, I guess you guys start on the 11th, right on Saturday, the 11th. I'm there. Saturday the 11th, two shows. Woo. Yeah. yeah diving but in head first. Because we, when do you get in? On the 15th. When? So I get there the next Wednesday. Oh, okay. So maybe you can come that weekend. The second yeah, weekend. I would love to. I would love to. Yeah, let me know. I'll set it up. Yeah, yeah no, we'll I'm, excited. I'm excited for you to see it. And I'm really excited because I think you'll have a blast with all of us. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Caroline will talk the most. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, knowing her from Mrs. Maisel, I, I would very much enjoy listening to her talk as much as she wants, but, but then all of them, like, you know, all, everybody in the cast is fantastic. So, well, Mary, I will let you get ready to go to rehearsal, but thank you so much for okay. taking so much time. I really, really appreciate it. And I guess I will see you in what, two weeks now and uh, we'll get to do this in person. I'm so glad we did this. Thank you so much. I just, you know how much I love you and I love that show and everybody should listen Oh, we were going to walk people through Patreon. I don't know why. We'll do it next we'll, time. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll do it next time. It, but uh, we'll figure, maybe we'll do it in, in, in person so we can, uh, I can actually show it to you so it's not as okay. difficult yeah. that way. Yeah, I'd love to do it in person. But, you know, Nikki tried. My son Nick tried. And he said, it something's should, wrong with this. It I shouldn't know. be that hard. This should be a simple process. But I'll do he the research and figure out what's wrong. Maybe it's my phone. Yeah. He's, a, he's like, no, mom, something's wrong. Something. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll blame James, but all right. Well, thank okay. you so much. Have a great day and we will be in touch. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tell Me More. My name is Matt Tamanini. You can find me on pretty much every social media platform at BWW Matt. You can reach out to Broadway Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. We will have a link to where you can get more information on Mad Women of the West in the show notes and on BroadwayRadio.com. Tell Me More is produced and edited by me. Special thanks, of course, to Mary Lou Henner, Candy Adams, and the man without whom none of Broadway radio is possible, James Marino. Thanks again for listening. And remember, in 50 years or so, it's going to change, you know. But oh, it's heaven nowadays. Also, always get a second scoop. And when you get the chance, ask people to tell you more. <laughs>